A Challenge for the Fourth Industrial Revolution, written and illustrated by Priscilla Mears. A call to action for the generations of the 21st century. As our Earth is shifting and changing at warp speed, post-pandemic of 2020, we must change our ways in order to thrive in this new fourth industrial revolution. As science and artificial intelligence have reached a new high and will soon rocket the world into a new technology and a new way of life. So let's work together and be a part of the change by building a network all for the greater good. Please join me over the next couple of weeks as we unpack page by page the message of my newly released book that puts into perspective the true status of our dying planet. Welcome back to the Simplified Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Priscilla Mears, and I am so excited that you are here with me today. So I hope you can grab a cup of coffee or maybe a hot cup of tea. It's a little dreary where I am today, but I hope it's nice and sunny where, where you are. And if not, it's all good. It's kind of cozy, actually. I might turn the fireplace on later. But anyways, I'm so glad that you guys are back, especially after last week's episode. It was full of lots of information that, again, maybe you have not heard about before. And honestly, with this series, I kind of don't want to go too deep into all of the things. You can do your own research. I'm going to try to keep it pretty high level, but I do want to be able to add the contrast of what the Bible says and how we can kind of stay on mission in knowing our purpose for our life and how we can respond to the fourth industrial revolution. So with that being said, I'm going to read my second spread. So how shall we respond? What will we do? How can we still live for God and help the planet too? The answer is quite simple, even though actions will tell, if we seek God's design for life, despite the artificial intel. So let's press into God's word where we know of our origins of both this planet called Earth filled with animals and humans. So in light of last week's episode and kind of where the digital technology era is now kind of being implemented, you know, at a global scale, or they are trying to do that. I know that by kind of just talking about the technology part of it, that that's a very surface topic of what obviously after, after what I said last week, that it trickles down into a lot of different things, which I feel like we are seeing in our culture today, maybe some ulterior motives for things that are trying to be implemented via our government or via social media, what is being pushed in our feeds or even by the news media. And so, or what we're not seeing in the news media. But either way, I want this to be a place of hope because that is what we have access to as being children of God and as being born again believers. And because we have God's word, which is his love letter to us, we have the opportunity to be able to read it and to read the promises that have been put in there by God for us as his children and even during very hard times and we like i said at the last episode we know the ending we don't know how we're going to get there or when it will happen but we know because of god's track record of him fulfilling every single promise and every prophecy that it will happen and so how can we respond to what's going on and if we can even kind of see the bigger picture of where the world intends, these people in power who think they have it all together, 
I just, I just want to encourage you that nothing is new under the sun. The more I do research and the more that I go back and study history and just things that are kind of in alignment with kind of what's going on, that history repeats itself. That phrase is so true, but also Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun and that God has a purpose and a plan for it, even in all of the sadness. Um, and the sadness is not because God wants that for us. It's a result of us, Adam and Eve, choosing to sin. And that brought death and destruction across the, the planet at a global scale back then. And so we live in a cancer-filled, death-dying virus, you know, dying world because of a result of sin. In the back of my book, I actually have a verse appendix. So every single page that I have illustrated or spread has a corresponding page in the back. And so they only include a handful of verses. Obviously there could be hundreds per page to back it up scripturally, but I just tried to pick a, a handful of them that are kind of the most applicable, that are kind of going in theme directly, but using God's words um, to kind of enforce, to reinforce the message of that page. And so as we talk about how sin, you know, just brought destruction into the world, um, Isaiah 24 through four through six, the earth dries up and withers, the world languishes and withers, the heavens languish with the earth. The earth is defiled by its people. They have disobeyed the laws, violated the statutes and broken the everlasting covenant. And the everlasting covenant is the communion that we had with God before sin. So it finishes off with, therefore a curse consumes the earth. Its people must bear their guilt. Therefore earth's inhabitants are burned up and very few are left. And so that's pretty drastic. But at the very end, again, if you read to the end of Revelation, that's unfortunately kind of what is ahead. We don't know when it's going to happen, but as believers, and as people who have trusted and um, accepted Christ's sacrifice on the cross for what he did, he paid our fine for sin that we will not have to endure that. We have eternal life through Christ in heaven with our God. And another verse I'm going to go ahead and read is Proverbs 16, 25. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. So I mentioned that last week. And so even with all of these plans and everything that they have envisioned for this utopian society, they know that it's going to take a lot of really bad things for humanity in order to get to that point to try to save the earth and to be able to have the amount of power necessary for them to have the say in what they want us to do. And it's been very well documented. There is other files that I even came across over this past week. And I'm just like mind blown at how obvious they have it. And that they think that this really has to happen in order for them to be able to prolong the earth. That we have destroyed it to that much. But little do they know that God's plan, like in the book of Revelation, that its words forecast a lot of even what secular economists say what will happen if this is actually carried out and they don't honestly care these people in power power they don't care anyways i don't want to get too far into that but today i do want to talk about how we can respond and i also want to talk about 
creation and where we originated from, where our planet Earth came from, where us as humans came from. So first off, I'm going to straight up say that I am fully aware and understand that there are multiple theories that have been taught over the course of time over how our Earth planet was formed and how the universe and everything in it mysteriously and magically came to be. So just know it is not my intention to shove anything down anyone's throat, but rather maybe gently and genuinely show a different perspective if you've only been exposed to the opposing views taught by schools and whatnot. I actually love talking about this with people from different perspectives um, because if you have been on the fence or you honestly haven't really even thought that much about it in detail, you just kind of trust what your professor says, I cannot explain to you how important it is to know why you believe what you believe, whether you are a Christian or not. During this lifetime, at some point, you have probably generally accepted which theory you believe. But I implore you to ask those questions, especially since we live in an era with so much data and research, both secular and Christian. I want to encourage you to seek out those answers. So like I mentioned at the end of my last episode, he has given enough information from the Bible to catch our attention about what is to come in the future. But I firmly believe that the beautiful and stunning nature that surround us is literally screaming at us every single moment of every single day, the majesty of our creator. And what's so crazy, because we have so much data and we have so many people that are just so intrigued by earth and creation and nature, that we have mathematicians, we have scientists, we have biologists, we have even historians who are you know, just enamored with everything that they are finding and discovering throughout all of history. And yet they can even say that there's an intelligent designer, that it could not be here by accident. And yet they do not want to give God the credit. They do not want to be accountable to a creator because if, if it was just that simple, then that would maybe take the meaning out of it. I don't know. But I, for me, all of that evidence and all of that backs up how my God is such an artist and he is so detail oriented. You can look at, I, I don't, I can't think of one single thing that is on this planet that is one color. It's just one dimensional, no details, nothing, even an ant. Okay, you're like, it's a black ant. Well, no, when you look at it, I mean, they have little hairs. They have so much purpose. Even the sheer fact that they can lift, like, what is it? 50 times their weight is insane. And is that just an oops? And let's say for us as humans, our bodies, our eyeballs, the bacteria flagellum, like if you look the very smallest, the tiniest thing within our body, is so intricately designed and it has motors, it has definitive purpose. And just to slap a label on it and just say, oh, that took millions and billions of years to eventually get to, I just, I, that takes more faith, in my opinion, to believe that than to think that there is a God or an intelligent designer who specifically made that. And so it just breaks my heart because people are created for a purpose. I'm gonna read Colossians 1:16. For in him, God, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, 
visible and invisible, like gravity. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And Genesis 1.1, it's as simple as in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So not only did God create the heavens and the earth and everything, all of the thrones, powers, rulers, authorities, all of them have been created through God and for God. In Genesis 1.27, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So I could get all into that, but I'm going to choose not to because at this point in time, you are probably set in your beliefs and your opinions about that. But I just want you to see that the Bible is very clear about how he intended you know, our design to be male and female. And just like everything else that God has created, he created it whole and he created it perfect, but he did give humans the ability to be able to choose. And when they chose, like I will say probably several times, when they chose to disobey God and to be like God, sin entered the world and confusion and death and everything else, the enemy has now been using to really stir up and to bring us as far away as from what God intended it to be. And so I, I believe that God loves every single person. There is one human race. We all bleed red. We all came from Adam, Adam and Eve and after the flood and after the Tower of Babel. Um, you know, everything that the Bible says, it explains why there's different races. We live in different areas of the world. And over time, I do believe in intelligent adaptation. Um, because people who live in different areas of the world, their bodies over time and over centuries, God allowed their bodies to be able to, you know, have certain eyes or skin colors or, you know, a resistant to certain things that are within their region or climate. And so when you look at the pigment levels of somebody who is the whitest of white or the darkest of dark, the pigmentation levels and the melanin count is honestly not that big of a difference. And so, you know, everybody's like, so what was Adam and Eve? Were they white? No, they were not. And using modern day technology and science of just seeing how genes work, most likely they were probably a medium range of skin tone because that allows to have the variety of more fair-skinned and whenever like they if they had kids and one had a little bit more melanin than the others and then just thinking about how like how people kind of marry people who look the same and how over generations and generations and then moving um that that would have created kind of the different races quote unquote of today um like i said because of where they live and what languages they ended up speaking, as well as where they ended up on the planet. And so there's one race though. We all originated from Adam and Eve and we were all designed in God's image. And so there is no supreme race. We are all part of the human race. And I don't say that lightly. I don't say that it breaks my heart to be able to look out into our culture and see races fighting other races whenever we are all of the same origins. We are all of the same 
um, likeness of God. And so that is just, again, another tool that the enemy has used to be able to blind people and to be able to create hate among people. And that is the complete opposite of what God has intended for us. So I'm going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to show you kind of some scientific evidence even today that scientists feel like they have found that can pinpoint the exact time whenever Earth was created. And then I'm also going to answer the question by sharing with you an audio clip by a creation scientist answering the question of, so who made God? If God created everything, then who made him? Hell, hold up. I have exciting news about my book, A Challenge for the Fourth Industrial Revolution, written and illustrated by yours truly, Priscilla Mears. I am so excited about sharing this message with you because it's kind of a personal project between me and God, but it's a message that I want to get in your hands as we definitely have a challenge ahead of us during this 4.0 digital revolution that is coming our way at lightning speed. And so I am so excited to tell you that I have a release date of May 1st, May 1st, and you will be able to get your hands on it via barnesandnoble.com. And so all you'll need to do is to type in my name and it'll come up and I am so pumped to be able to tell you that I have both paperback and hardcover options available for you to be able to choose. So what I'm most excited about is that for the remainder of this series, you yourself can hold the book within your hands and be able to read the words and see the illustrations and walk with me as a community through the rest of this season. So stay tuned right on your calendars, May 1st. I am so excited to be able to get this message in your hands. Welcome back to the last half of the show. And I have a lot of awesome clips to share with you guys that kind of go along with this. But as a little mini recap, God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1-1. And truly it is that simple if you believe in the inspired word of God. 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 16. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So God's word is infallible. It is true. It is God-breathed, and it is applicable for every season of life through all of time. But if only our world believed that. It can't, it can't be that simple because of our adversary who is passionately seeking to destroy and to devour as many of God's creation, as many of his people as possible before the end of the age. But for those of you guys who are like, okay, so who created God? God created those things, cool, but who created God? So I'm gonna play this really fast, simple clip by a creation scientist, and we will discuss it afterwards. So here we go. Story of the rest of the uh, beginning of the universe. God, spiritual matter, impact on material matter. Okay, so two questions. All right. Go ahead. 
All right, your question, where did God come from, assumes that you're thinking of the wrong, uh, obviously it displays that you're thinking of the wrong God, <laughs> because the God of the Bible is not affected by time, space, or matter. If he's, if he's affected by time, space, or matter, he's not God. Time, space, and matter is what we call a continuum. All of them have to come into existence at the same instant, because if there were matter but no space, where would you put it? If there were matter and space but no time, when would you put it? You cannot have time, space, or matter independently. They have to come into existence simultaneously. The Bible answers that in ten words. In the beginning, there's time. God created the heaven, there's space, and the earth, there's matter. So you have time, space, matter created, a trinity of trinities there. Just, you know, time is past, present, future. Space has length, width, height. Matter has solid, liquid, gas. You have a trinity of trinities created instantaneously. And the God who created them has to be outside of them. If he's limited by time, he's not God. The guy who created this computer is not in the computer. He's not running around in there changing the numbers on the screen, okay? The God who created this universe is outside of the universe. He's above it, beyond it, in it, through it. He's, he's unaffected by it. So for... And the, the concept that a, a spiritual uh, force cannot have any effect on a material body, well then I guess you'd have to explain to me things like emotions and love and hatred and envy and jealousy and, and rationality. I mean, if your brain is just a random collection of chemicals that formed by chance over billions of years, how on earth can you trust your own reasoning processes and the thoughts that you, you think? Okay? So, um, I, your, your, your question, where did God come from, is assuming a limited God, and that's your problem. The God that I worship is not limited by time, space, or matter. If I could fit the infinite God in my three-pound brain, he would not be worth worshiping, that's for certain. So that's the God that I worship. Thank you. Okay, wasn't that just crazy? You might have to, like, rewind that and re-listen to it. I will put a blog post up with the actual video if you're a more visual person like I am and it just explains it so beautifully and yet I know there will still be people who do not want to believe that and who would rather slap on a label of millions of years, billions of years, there's no way we can know um, just so God is not right and the Bible is invalid. Growing up, I heard this riddle slash joke thing that I will never ever forget and it was about God and the devil sitting on a beach and they were going to have a castle, sandcastle building contest. And so as soon as they were like, ready, set, go, the devil reached down into the sand and God said, uh-uh-uh, no, you go make your own sand. And so everything that is here, even with all of our technology and all of our data, all of the extreme amounts of knowledge that God has allowed us to be able to have and to discover, either way, the matter has to already exist for them to be able to work with it. So whatever discoveries that we make, we don't give them the credit for that. I kind of like to picture God just kind of giggling up there saying, oh man, when they find out about this, surely they're gonna believe in me. And then man makes that discovery and just says, Wow, that's really awesome. And that is like so perfect. That's just super inspiring and not give God the credit. So even though the rocks cry out, even when you look at nature and everything is so detailed and has a purpose and we as humans, we have a purpose. We were not just blobs here randomly, you know, having lives, waking up and going to work. We were designed for a purpose. And so when people talk about like the Big Bang Theory and now scientists 
claim, quote, we can even work out when it happened from the current size of the universe and the speed by which it is moving about 14 billion years ago. We can see the afterglow of the Big Bang. We can't see it with the naked eye, but some of our telescopes can. Our, actual, our eyes actually only see a fraction of the light in the universe. During the Big Bang, an incredible hot fire of fundamental particles such as protons, neutrons, and electrons expanded and cooled to form atoms, magically, um, and stars and galaxies that we see today. So, yes, I do believe in the Big Bang that caused this afterglow. God said and spoke, let there be light, and then bang, <laughs> it instantly came into existence. Verse 3, let there be light, and then there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness and God called the light day and he called the darkness night. And then there was evening and there was morning and this was the first day. So that was Genesis 1, um, 1 through 5. And so according to scripture, God created the heavens, the universe, and the earth fully formed and functioning in six days. Now, this is where even Christians disagree, and we have different theories about, was it six literal days, or was it six, you know, for God, a thousand years is a day, and a, th a day is a thousand years for God. Well, I think, again, if we read the text literally, that he made it, he made it without question, because he included, and there was evening, and there was morning, and then that was the first day day. Like he literally says there was morning and evening number day. He says that at the very end of every single day that he created. And so again, as Christians, we should be able to take the Bible at face value for what it says. And even when that's where it just shows you that the enemy wants to use doubt and scientific methods and our minute human minds to be able to question the validity of the Bible. Where else in the Bible do us as Christians disagree about the the time stamp of the day? Do we say that they walked around Jericho for seven million years or was it seven days? Um, so it's just, that's where people try to fit in science. The, where, where can we fit in science? Oh, at the very beginning. And if we can make the Bible not true or we can prove that it's not true in the very first verse, Genesis 1.1, then that will deconstruct the validity of the Bible. And then why do we even have that? So in the end, you and I, we were both not there. But as Christians who have the Bible, which is like I, why I mentioned the second Timothy verse is that it is God, spy, God inspired and it is useful for teaching, <laughs> rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. And again, if you don't believe that the Bible is infallible and that it is full of error, then I encourage you to ask those questions and know why you believe what you believe and to seek out the, the answers because there's so much evidence, both secular and Christian, of historical things, thousands of artifacts that are still being found even this year that support the Bible and it support that book specifically compared to every single religious text ever written or displayed throughout time. So whether you wanna look at it 
from a biblical perspective or even just thinking about where our earth is in the position of the universe. I mean, there are countless different kind of articles about that, just the perfection of our planet and where it's located and how it's not you know, the existence of water on our surface, it's not too much or too little and that it's in liquid form. Our proximity to the sun, it's not near, it's not too far or it's not too um, close so that we would burn up. I mean, the system of plate tectonics that enables the carbon silicate cycle regulating our temperature, it's the right size, it's not large enough to hang on to its atmosphere, but it's not so large to hold on too much atmosphere and consequently have too much heat. It's protected by its big brother, Jupiter, which gravity helps divert and vacuum incoming debris and helps keep Earth safe. I mean, all the things that had to be perfect, where we're located on the galaxy. I mean, everything had to be perfectly designed and it cannot be by accident. That's why I'm saying when you look at everything and you see the intention and the detail that comes with it, uh, no man-made thing, no, man, no algorithm can actually produce that precise of information on such a universal scale, okay? So it has to be there by someone. It was not by accident. And so when you think about who could even do that, the only answer left is God. And whenever you can believe that God was the one who did it, then hopefully that will lead you to understand why he did it why he created it. He created it for our pleasure, for our good. We were the most important thing that he created. And so he created us for a purpose. He created us for a relationship with him. And we broke that. Therefore, that is why the earth is dying and no man can save it, no matter their schemes, no matter their plans. Little do they know that their plans are a part of God's ultimate plan. And so nothing is new under the sun, Ecclesiastes. And so I just want to finish out with something that I find really, really awesome. This is something that mathematicians and scientists and people who love observing nature have found and are in awe of and yet deny its purpose and who put it there for a reason. And you've probably heard of it. It's called the Fibonacci sequence. The sequence begins with the numbers 1, 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, 13, 21, 34, and continues indefinitely. Each number is obtained by adding the last two digits together. If we were to take a perfect or golden rectangle, break it down into smaller squares based on Fibonacci's sequence, and divide each with an arc, the patterns begin to take shape. We begin to see Fibonacci's spiral. The spiral in and of itself is insignificant. Its importance is revealed in where we find it. Take for example the sunflower. The display of its florets are in perfect spirals of 55, 34, and 21. The sequence of Fibonacci. The fruitlets of the pineapple create the same spiral based on the sequence. The pine cone does the same. As currents move through the ocean and the tide rolls onto the shore, the waves that bring in the tide curve into a spiral that can be mathematically diagrammed onto a plot at the points 1, 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, 13, 21, 34, and 55. Buds on trees, sand dollars, starfish, petals on flowers, and especially the nautilus shell are formed with this exact same blueprint. With each segment of growth, 
the Nautilus adds to itself one more value on Fibonacci's scale. This blueprint can be seen around us on a small scale every day, but the greatest example of all is directly above our heads. At an average of 100,000 light years across, even the spiral of the galaxies above us are formed with the exact design that the tiny shell is formed. This sequence, our blueprint, appears to be the trademark of a designer. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that should leave you in awe that this is seen throughout creation. It's seen throughout the universe, through galaxies, and how they're formed. It's how your ear is designed. It's how a shell, how sunflowers, just the math of that, that is not by accident. I don't understand how just a lot of atoms got really hot and just exploded into perfection over millions of years. And just like Dr. Kent Hovind said in the first clip I included, explain to me then how us as humans have the ability to have emotions, how, how we are able to foster love and sadness and happiness. How, how did that come about? And if it was an accident, who was the first human who had emotions? And how did they find another one to be able to mate with in order to create an entire generation and fill the entire world with people who can also have emotions and be able to live in relationship with people? Like I have said in my previous season, we are built by design for community, for relationship. And that is something that cannot be brought into existence by heat and a cluster of atoms and neutrons and protons. So throughout this episode, I hope that if anything, it gets you thinking. And if you haven't thought about this stuff before, or again, why you believe what you believe, I encourage you to seek out those answers. And so this episode obviously was talking more about creation and how you know we can see where our origins came from and the purpose and the design of that. But in a lot of ways, that can answer why are we here? And if we can answer why are we here, we are designed for a relationship with our creator and designed for community, then that can also help us be able to have a mindset of how we should respond to life in general from the moment that it was created to present day. And so when we look at the Bible, which is our love letter written to us by our creator. And so when we, when we see the story of the Bible, we can see the salvation story of why the earth was dying, why sin came into the earth, and why there was a need for a savior. God created us. He did not want to be separated from us. And so he made a way for us to be with him again through the blood of his one and only son, John 3.16. So when asking those questions on page three of, so how shall we respond? What shall we do? How can we live for God and help the planet too? So we can help the planet by pointing others to their creator and why they are here. Because without God, the, the search for contentment and for value and fulfillment, what the world offers will only leave you empty. But what the creator can give you 
through his son is found in John 14, 27. I am leaving you with a gift, the Holy Spirit, which brings peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. If this message was something that really struck a chord with you or that you would like to share with others, feel free to hit subscribe and to share this. And if you want to take a screenshot and share it on social media platforms, that would be great as well. You can tag me at simplifiedbeauty.co on Instagram. And if you would like to purchase my book and walk through the rest of this season with me, mark your calendars for May 1st.